0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit, the host of the podcast, the manager, uh, coming to you here live, continuing on our season preview series for the Big Ten. Uh, We're through the majority of the league at this point, just wrapping up a a few final teams, and we have a, a big one here today. Uh, with the Maryland Terrapins, who are coming off a, a really good couple-year run here, uh, with Mark Turgeon as the head coach, maybe not all the way what people had hoped, but pretty solid performance, and coming into a season with with very high expectations. Uh, some people think they're uh, going to be a top 10 team this year. And to help us break them down, uh, we have Lila from our uh, our Maryland site. Um, I believe this is the first time we've had you on the podcast. Uh, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself a little bit and and telling people where they can check you out, uh, it would be very appreciated.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm Lila Bromberg. Uh, I'm the managing editor of Tessuto Times. We had a leadership change this year, so I've taken over. Um, as managing editor of the site, you can follow me at Lila B. Bromberg. Uh, on Twitter, uh, you know, and all of our coverage is on to Excellent.
0: Well, thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it. Um, why don't we start there? You know, as I mentioned, and I'm, I'm sure you'll agree uh, Turgeon generally ha- has performed pretty solidly here o- over the last couple of years. You know, Maryland has made the NCAA tournament a couple of times uh, advanced, um, but not necessarily super, super successful. Uh, had a sweet 16 run, but, uh, no Final Fours, anything like that. Uh, what's the general sense among the Maryland community? Uh, what are, where's the mood at? And sort of what are the expectations coming into the season?
1: I mean, I think maybe from an outside perspective, that might seem like it. But Maryland fans <laughs> okay. have uh, been pretty frustrated, at least from what we've heard from fans of our site and our audience uh, over the past couple of years. Because while, you know, Turgeon has been able to get them to the tournament the team really hasn't been able to perform in the postseason, uh, whether it's you know dropping out in the first round of the Big Ten tournament in their first game over the past couple seasons, um, really just not being able to make an impact. And so we actually have been having a lot of frustrated fans, but things seem to be really uh, a bit more optimistic heading into the season. Uh, the team is returning seven of their eight leading scorers and a bunch of the freshmen who are now sophomores, especially Jalen Smith, Aaron Wiggins, Uh, Eric Ayala, all showed a lot of potential in their freshman seasons and have made just big leaps over the summer. Um, So there's a lot of excitement uh, around College Park with the Terps right now. You know, as you mentioned, they're pretty much in every single preseason top 10 ranking, expected to be one of two top teams in the Big Ten. So people seem to be excited, but there's still a lot of skepticism that we've seen because I think right now people believe that there's a talent, but a lot of people are doubtful about Mark Turgeon's coaching skills.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. A little, maybe a little more skepticism uh, among the fan base than than elsewhere. It sounds like. Um, but uh, but yeah, let, let, let's jump into this. And and before we get uh, too far into the roster and and what's to come, uh, let, let's spend just a minute or two talking about you know who's gone who's coming in uh Maryland obviously losing a, a pretty substantial contributor in Bruno Fernando um but they are bringing in uh, a few interesting pieces as well uh so could you just take a, a minute or two to just chat about uh who's leaving the roster this offseason and who's coming in
1: yeah so you know as I mentioned they really only lost one of their leading scores and that's you know Bruno Fernando who is now actually joining another two of her former trips on the Atlanta Hawks um and so you know he obviously had a big role last year, uh, averaged a double double, and really was a big energy spark for the team. At six eleven, he was um, you know really their big guy up front, and uh, just really just was a big leader for the team even you know as a sophomore. Uh, but coming in, they have a you know really big freshman class. Um, I think of the top of that class is, uh, Donta Scott. Uh, you have him coming in and he, um, I think from what we've heard from Turgeon seems to be the one player that they really have seen a lot of. And then you also have, uh, two twins, Mackay and Mikel Mitchell coming in out of Wilson in DC and Mackay of those two is seen as, uh, kind of the better one. And then, one guy that they had coming in was Troll Mariel, who was who is 7'2 and actually has a 7'11 wingspan. And a lot of people were excited about him. Um, and he's dealt with some injury issues. It sounds right now that he'll be ready for the season. Um, but there's been just some lingering issues. There hasn't been a lot of clarity as to how long uh, his leg problems, having kind of, you know, um, stress fractures in both legs has been going on. Uh, but he's expected to be back. Mm-hmm. And then you also have Hakeem Hart, who isn't really expected to play as big of a role, but um, I think in a few years could have a big impact.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously Fernando, really, really big departure. Um, very arguably the the team's best player last season. Not sure if you agree with that, but um, massive, massive contributor. And really, I, I think one of the things that was most impressive about his game last year is generally for big men. Uh, they just they don't play the same minutes, they fall all the time, etc. And Fernando played a lot of minutes last season. Um, about 70%, excuse me, 75% of the team minutes, which is pretty remarkable for a big man and considering his overall production. So that that's going to be a big loss there, particularly on the defensive side and on the boards. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, Maryland bringing in a a really nice recruiting class, um, third in the big 10 top 30 nationally per 24, seven sports and two big men in, in both the, the two Mitchells. Um, obviously, uh, Micaiah Mitchell probably has a little bit, uh, higher expectations, uh, for his freshman season, but both have size, both have, uh, some strength here. So a few, a few, uh, uh bodies out there, at least, uh, that Turp fans, I'm sure are hoping can fill in some of those minutes, uh, with, with Fernando out the door. Um, but with that, uh, why don't, why don't we just talk again, more, more generally here about the team. Um what are some of the things you know we talked about who's in who's out but what are some of the biggest things you know you're the most optimistic about the most excited most confident about with regard to the terps and conversely, what are you the most concerned about with regard to this team
1: so I think the thing that I'm most excited about and a lot of people that we've done a lot of coverage around is the depth on this team as I said mm-hmm. returning seven of the eight leading scores and then you bring in this freshman class um and you know, you're bringing back a ton of players that maybe not necessarily have the best performances in terms of the freshman at the beginning of the season, but a lot of them started to make big leaps toward the end of the year. And then over the summer, uh, you've really seen the team put in extra work that in a way that we haven't really seen a Maryland team do you, you know, it had come out that Jalen Smith has gained about 30 pounds since he came to campus as a freshman and just looks completely different the whole team has really been working this summer uh, on their bodies to make those big leaps adding a lot more muscle so I think you're going to see from Jalen Smith a guy who can be in the paint more and then you have a lot of really good shooters in you know Anthony Cowan as well as Eric Ayala and Aaron Wiggins and there's just so many uh, pieces of this team whereas if you look at Turgeon's past teams there really hasn't been this amount of depth coming back in. But I think the biggest concern, I mean, like I said, I think it really is a matter of coaching. I don't think there's any doubt that this team has a lot of talent. I think there's a lot of concern because Turgeon has consistently struggled to defend against the press, has struggled to uh, you know, run fast breaks and get this team moving at a speed that people would like to see. So I think, honestly, that's the biggest concern.
0: Interesting, yeah, interesting. Uh, some, some harsh thoughts on Turgeon, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, just a lot just of
1: talk, yeah. I mean, a lot of the talk is that you know he's a great recruiter, but it's just a matter of and that he can develop them. But a lot of it just has just been like some calls during games, just in terms of adjusting game plans and um, just learning to play against certain types of defenses has really uh, been what's gotten the Terps a lot over the past couple
0: seasons. Yeah, Um, I I think I think from my perspective, as far as optimism, as you said, this is a really good roster. I mean, front to back, you got, you know, three, four guys that you could put your hat on and and say, yeah, these are going to be really productive starters Two potential high end all Big Ten players in Cowan and Smith just to start off, let alone, you know what is uh, Wiggins going to become some of these other underclassmen developing. Um, So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of bodies. And the other thing too, is a lot of these guys are are diverse players. You know, they can play multiple spots. We saw a lot of them on the floor in different roles and different positions last year. You know, Smith uh, played alongside Fernando last year, but probably going to move more to the, the five, I would think this year. So, I mean, A lot of diversity, which I think if you're a coach has to be super exciting because it means you're going to really be able to get the best five on the floor, even if uh, they may have not been in that position, quote unquote, per se last year. So I I think that is something to be really excited about, especially, you know, having a, a senior point guard who has a lot of experience and has been really productive. That's something to be super excited about. So I think just generally the the roster here and additionally, as as you noted earlier with the, the incoming recruits, you know, you're adding a, a handful of guys there that, frankly, I, there's not going to be a super high expectations for them, even if those guys don't really do much at all this year, Maryland probably will still be a pretty good team. So that's a nice position to be in, a nice luxury to have, because if one or two of those guys can get going, I mean, this team becomes really, really stacked. Um I think as, as far as points of concern, um, I, I think generally the big one for me is, is obviously who's going to replace Fernando? Where are you going to get that production? I mean, he was a, a big piece of the team last year. And again, I, I think the obvious uh, hope uh, as far as Terp fans is that some of these freshmen, underclassmen can be the guys to sort of step in and, and fill that void by committee, so to speak. Um, but that's going to be a big role uh, to fill a lot of times when he's when he sort of fell off last year, Maryland did not do quite as well. So um, that's something. And of course, as you said, I mean, um, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm as critical uh, on uh Turgeon's decisions here, but I, I think some of these players as well, you know, you wonder um, how much more can they improve specifically a guy like uh, Calvin, who is, who's been a productive point guard here for a couple of years. Um, can he get much better? maybe i don't know it's rare that a player who's played that much is suddenly going to become you know much much better but there are a lot of young players coming back a lot of underclassmen who you know got their feet wet last year who could take big steps forward but you know we've heard of sophomore slumps we we've seen that kind of stuff before so generally for me those are the two big concerns and um you know to to lean on your point a little bit yeah i mean we do have to wonder a little bit um, ken turgeon be a guy who can lift the team uh to that next level i mean it, it's gonna be tough with michigan state in the league this year but but we'll see who who knows um as far as uh uh the schedule um you know i'm i'm not gonna ask you to to sit here and and break down every game and you know predict win loss record anything like that um but maryland does look to have a pretty intriguing schedule uh in non-con this year you know they're going to get rhode island they're going to get notre dame the advocate uh invitational excuse me a road trip to seton hall uh what do you make of the schedule this year what games are you most excited about um and sort of uh what do you anticipate maryland i guess doing with regard to the schedule
1: yeah um i think that you know in the past the non-conference hasn't been that great. It looks a little better this year. I think that um, some people were a little upset to see Maryland get Notre Dame in the Big Ten ACC Challenge just because they were kind of hoping for one of the more competitive teams in the ACC to have more of a rivalry renewal. But, you know, they'll be playing Temple. That was one of the first teams out of the tournament. Um, Rhode Island, as you mentioned, is a good team. But I think what really excites me about this schedule is – uh, as you mentioned, that Seton Hall matchup, that was a game that uh, was very close last year, but they ended up losing that they're really going to yeah. want to get some revenge on. And then, you know, as you mentioned, Michigan State is really of a really good team in the Big Ten. I mean, there are a lot of good teams, but those are kind of considered the top two, and they play each other twice this year. And I think both of those games will be really, really exciting and fun to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think the schedule for me that that's really interesting for Maryland is this is one of these schedules I always like to say is it's kind of like sneaky good um, where, you know, you're not getting these, these super brand name teams, you know, there's not a Duke, there's not Virginia, North Carolina, anything like that. Um, at least I don't know who's on the other side of the bracket, the adversary invitational, to be honest, but uh at least who Maryland's projected to play now, you know, Seton Hall may be a top 25 team. We'll, we'll kind of have to see where that sorts out, but, there's a lot of teams on here that could be in that top 100 level, and Maryland could get, get a pretty good resume here depending on how some of these teams perform and really rack up a lot of quality wins before Big Ten, Big Ten play, excuse me. So, I mean, I think that's something to be excited about. And then, um, a, as you mentioned, I mean, I think when I went through the schedule, at least with regard to the the Big Ten, I mean, you get Ohio State at home, Purdue at home, Michigan at home, Michigan State at home, there's going to be a lot of big time marquee opportunities here. And that's something that uh, whether it's fair or not, you know, it, it held back Maryland last year. You know, they lost a lot of those games to the the big time opponents at home. You know, they lost to Virginia non-conference play. Um, they lost to Michigan late in the year. Uh, they had that rough performance against Michigan state on the road. So, I mean, if they can get some of these, you know, you mentioned the Seton hall game as well, but, if they can finish off some of these big time marquee games, I, I think that's really where Maryland can take a step forward um, heading into this year. But but with that, um, why why don't we jump into before we get to you know bigger predictions and and stuff like that? Um, the the lineup coming into this year. Uh, do you have any prediction at this point on on the starting lineup? Uh, who you think is going to play where? Um, and if you do, uh, what is it?
1: So there's a lot of possibilities with this team. There's been some discussion of whether you're going to see Jalen at the four or five. It seems like four is kind of a position he prefers and that way he can shoot with three. And Mm -hmm. if that is the case, um, I think you would likely see, you know, Cowan at the one, uh, Eric Ayala at the two, Aaron Wiggins at three, um, Jalen at four, and then you would probably see, um, either Donta Scott or, or sorry, you would probably see then Makai Mitchell at the five, but I think it's also a possibility um, that they would put uh, Jalen at the five and then bring Moore Cell into the lineup instead of Mitchell. Um, and I think you'll see players like Donta Scott uh, and Ricky Lindo uh, rotating in a bunch as well. I think you'll see um, Sorrell Smith get a you know, some minutes, but I think the big guys you're really going to see are, um, you know, you're, I think in any lineup that you're going to have, you're going to have Anthony Cowan, you're going to have Aaron Wiggins, you're going to have Jalen Smith. It's, and I think it's pretty fair to say that you will have Eric Ayala. It's just kind of a matter of um, where we're going to put Jalen and who they're going to kind of put as that other guy in the paint.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but it, it's this team is just really deep. There's a lot of guys you could see earning a spot in the lineup, but I, I tend to agree. You know, I I think Allen's going to be in there. I think Ayala is going to be in there. Wiggins is going to be in there. Obviously, Jalen Smith is going to be in there. And I, I really think it's going to come down to, um, a, as you said, Smith is probably a more natural fit at the at the four here at, at, at the college level. And you know, is one of the Mitchell guys, uh, Mitchell's going to be ready to contribute in in a real starting role? If so, yeah, I mean, you you can play Smith at the four and and really have a, a dynamic lineup, but I don't know, you never know, you never know a freshman, right? So we'll, we'll kind of see on that point, but the nice thing is, is they have plenty of other options on the wing or in the backcourt, depending on who they want to slide around. So, I mean, it should be it should be interesting. Um, how how good do you you think this backcourt is gonna be? I know it's gotten a, a fair amount of hype coming into the season. Uh, do you think this is gonna be one of the, the better backcourts in the Big Ten?
1: I really think it it will, especially with just some of the guys who have left uh some of the schools in the Big Ten. I mean, you've Anthony Cowan who um, you know, has been up and down with his shooting, has been pretty good, but I think this year you're gonna see it where there's going to be less pressure on him. And I think that's really going to help is that he's going to have pieces to work with. Um, You know, you have both uh, Eric Ayala um, and Aaron Wiggins, who both can really shoot the three. Well, Uh, they both improved from what I've heard from the team from talking to them. They've improved even more so over the summer. And uh, they've both really worked on their bodies and, you know, the ways that they can score as well. Um, You saw, you know, Daryl Smith is someone who is has kind of been up and down uh, behind the arc and as a guard, but from what I've heard, his confidence is up. You know, this team has really put in work this summer that I haven't seen or heard about them putting in in a really long time, just constantly uh, in the gym. They were really motivated from that loss to LSU, and I think everyone's been working on their shooting and the way they can score, but that combination of um cow and ayala and wiggins i think are all really really good shooters and that'll be really good for this team and they're all uh pretty decent passers as well
0: yeah i mean i i I really like this group i mean there's a lot of depth as as i've said i'm interested to see what what some of these rising underclassmen can do this year so it, it should be fun to watch um but with that why don't we get into what is everyone's favorite part of course season predictions here overall stuff uh so so what are your expectations for the season for the terps or excuse me the terps um moreover uh do you think they're going to make it back to the ncaa tournament if so uh, what do you think they can do in there do you think they can compete for the big 10 title um what are your predictions for this team
1: with the talent this team has i don't think there's any doubt in my mind that they make the ncaa tournament i think it's more of a matter of how far they get in the ncaa tournament um We actually, it was interesting, we put out a poll for our readers that we had about um, 1,300 people vote in, and uh, I think only like 2% of people were saying they wouldn't make it. You had 34% saying they would go to the Sweet 16, 33% to the Elite Eight, 12% to the Final Four, and 10% to the the championship. Um, And I think I agree with where a lot of our readers uh, lie in terms of that Sweet 16, Elite Eight. I see them getting to that second weekend weekend of the tournament i really think that they have a talent and depth this year in the past they really haven't had they've been they were a lot younger last year and while they had a lot of raw talent and i think now that that talent has really been shaped more people have matured uh the team seems a lot more dedicated um and it from what i've heard it seems like Turton has had more time this offseason to really uh plan different strategies and things like that because he has had less of a burden with recruiting um so I think that they could go to a second weekend. I mean, I'm doubtful about whether they go to a final four championship, but I think it it is a possibility. I think um, in the past, this team has kind of seemed like they were on a roll and then messed up late in the season, whether it was, um, you know, just coming out early of the big 10 tournament of the NCAA tournament. And so it's kind of, I think getting over that uh, mental um, kind of lapse there. And I think, that'll be a big role, but in terms of talent, I think they definitely have a ta- the talent to compete in that second weekend of the tournament, and maybe even in a final four. I know, you know, a lot of analysts have picked them to go that far.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think this team has more than enough talent to be in contention for the second weekend of the tournament. That's not to say, I, I think it's a lock whatsoever. Um, as I said, I mean, I, I think Fernando is a big loss, um, I don't think it's one that's going to derail this team whatsoever. I think they have a lot of good pieces coming back, adding a lot of good pieces around those pieces that are already returning. But uh, anytime you lose a star like that, there's always going to be a transition. We'll see, you know, how long it takes for them to, to get things going. Maybe there's no bump at all. But I think this team has the talent to make the second weekend. Um, beyond that, I don't think this is a, a Final Four team. Um, and less as we've been talking about, you know, some, some of these freshmen coming back, things like that. If one of these guys takes one of those crazy sophomore leaps, you know, we, we've seen it with some other players in the league. You know, we saw uh, Denzel Valentine. It wasn't really a sophomore leap, but he improved substantially during his career. Uh, Nick Stauskas for Michigan a couple years back. OK as a freshman, turned into a Big Ten Player of the Year type guy as a sophomore so, I mean, if, if one of these guys like Jalen Smith can, can take a step like that, which is certainly possible, they have the talent to do it. Um, all of a sudden, I, I think this team becomes a lot more dangerous. And, you know, maybe the Final Four, that type of run is in play. But overall, um, I don't think Maryland's going to get past Michigan State for the Big Ten title. Uh, I think the Spartans are just too good. And then really, I think it's going to come down to, you know, can they finish off some of those big games at home this year? Can they take care of business in non-conference play? get a good seed and then make the second weekend. And, you know, hopefully for uh, the Terps, maybe somebody gets upset, something, something along those lines. Um, And I I did want to ask, you know, just given some of your Um, your comments. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say really quick, I think kind of one thing that maybe you might be missing from like an outside perspective is that Mm -hmm. these guys are making a big leap. If you look at the And in terms of filling the role of Fernando, Jalen Smith has gained 25 pounds in this offseason. That was his issue in the paint last year was that he wasn't big enough. He's now at the same size as Bruno Fernando was. And the training staff has actually said that he is lifting a lot more than Fernando was. And so Mm, I don't think he's going to be much of a leap there. He's actually a much better shooter than Fernando was. And he now has the body to really compete in the paint like Fernando And if you look at the end of his season, if you look at his performances in the uh, NCAA tournament, he had 19 points and 11.6 rebounds against Belmont, and he had 15 points and 11.7 rebounds against LSU. Um, And then you look at some other games, he before that against Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament uh, had eight points and 11.4. If you basically look at any of the last games of the season on from the end of February, he was basically averaging a double-double. Um, mm-hmm. And then you look at guys like Aaron Wiggins and Eric Ayala, who also both began to really find their shot towards the end of the season. So I think you really will see a huge sophomore lead with these guys. Mm-hmm. Because you could see it in itself as the season progressed last year. And they have put in even more work this offseason specifically around, you know, those things.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... At, at this point, I'm I'm expecting it for sure, and I I think my my sort of question here, you know, rhetorically is, is sort of, how big is it going to be? You know, is it a is it a ten percent better? Is it twenty percent better? Etc. Um, we'll, we'll have to find out uh, when we hit the fall. Um, but before I do let you go here, I I did want to just follow up. I know I know you've been a, a little bit critical of of Turgeon during the podcast, so I I am curious. You know, I I know everybody's in a good mood. Uh, everybody's optimistic you know everybody's zero and zero Um, but if things were to go just so so this year you know maybe the team makes the NCAA tournament gets knocked out first round something like that Um, is there a lot of pressure building with Turgeon what's sort of the the feel on that end
1: oh there has been for for uh, a couple of years now because uh, he's had a lot of talent and there hasn't been um, like he's been a great recruiter, but hasn't been, been able to do a lot with that talent. I mean, I think like our Twitter was flooded, has constantly been flooded with people wanting the fire Turchin. And from people that I know who are boosters and who are within the department, from what I've heard from different reporters on the beat, and from what I've heard from boosters themselves is a lot of people are extremely frustrated with Turchin. And I realistically think that if he doesn't, um, I think he 100% will get fired if they don't make the tournament this year, if his talent. And I think that if, even if they come out like the first weekend, I, I think he'll be on the hot seat and he kind of has been this past couple of years. And so I think there's a lot riding on the season for Turgeon. And I think that having the amount of talent and depth they have even kind of puts him more in that hot seat.
0: Hmm interesting yeah yeah it's uh, always good to get, get the insider feel and that's why we're, we're happy to have you here um but uh but with that before before i let you go here um if you wouldn't mind just letting people know again where they can check you out where they can check out uh your site um, and then if you have any final thoughts here regarding maryland or the or the big 10 um feel free to throw them out
1: yeah so again i'm lila bromberg you can follow me at twitter at lila b bromberg uh, you can follow Testudo Times at Testudotimes.com. Also on our Twitter at Testudo Times and our Instagram and Facebook are under the same name. And we have a number of podcasts under the pseudo Times podcast. You can find on Apple or Spotify as well uh, as our website. Um, and I guess just in final thoughts, I think that, there's I just want to say there's a lot there's more excitement around this team than I think there has been in a while as someone who's been around the program been covering this team for now three years and also just been following Maryland for a very long time I think that um there's definitely a different buzz about this season it'll be interesting to see you know if they can actually live up to it Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah well I again I appreciate you having uh having you on the podcast here and, and thanks for the insight um with that thanks everyone for listening as always Uh, Thomas Bendit. You can check me out on Twitter at T Bendit. Make sure to rate the podcast, subscribe. Um, And with that, we'll we'll let you all go. Uh, Have a good one and we'll see you guys next time.